Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Petko Stoyanov and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with my co-host, Petko Stoyanov. Petco, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rachel. I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite uh, things. I know. I know. I'm so excited for you today. (laughs) Yeah. So so what are we going to talk about today, Rachel? We are talking about State Ramp and we've got Joe Bilosky here. He is a founding member of State Ramp and president of Knowledge Services. Also joining us is State Ramp Executive Director Leah McGrath. And both of them have been involved with the organization since its formation in about 2020. So welcome, Lee and Joe. I'm excited. Thank you. We are too. Thanks for having us. I mean, I want to start at the beginning. How do you feel about that, Petco? I I think it sounds great because when I hear state ramp, everyone's going to say, wait, is that different from fed ramp and how is it related? So Exactly. Joe, Leah, can you guys talk to us about... State ramp, how it came about, and what the goal of state ramp is, and what what fill, what needed fills. Sure, sure. Thanks everyone for uh, for tuning in and, and listening. Great podcast, uh, longtime listener. So first of all, uh, I'm with a company that has a software as a service product uh, that also is responsible for PII, PHI, PCI information of, of citizens. And back in 2000 and call it 16, 17, it started, uh, we started talking about the risks to us and our cloud solution. And I uh, started talking about Anthem and Target and all of these data breaches. And so we wanted to differentiate ourselves from other solutions in the market and wanted to get a third party uh, to verify our, our NIST 800 status. And we started looking around and realized there really wasn't one that available and certainly not one that uh, government uh, recognized, state and local government, which is our, our target market. Uh, the only one that was available that we realized or saw was FedRAMP. And so we went down the FedRAMP uh, authorization path beginning in 2019 and um, believing that we were going to go marching back into state and, and local government, uh, CISO and CIO offices and procurement official offices saying, look at this, aren't you uh, happy that we're uh, secure? And procurement was uh, struggling with, well, that's great, but how do I verify if I, I realize you're verified, but how do I verify others, the policies there, but I don't have the staff, I don't have uh, the budget to bring um, cybersecurity experts on board. So uh, long story short, we were out in Arizona um, the second week of March 2020 and talking to J.R. Sloan, the CIO, and uh, about cybersecurity and the challenges that uh, the state of Arizona was having. And they had uh, begun spinning up what they referred to as ASRAMP or AZRAMP. And uh, J.R. looked at me and said, you know what we really need, Joe, is state ramp. And uh, unbeknownst to him, we had already begun putting a model together. Uh, but it was uh, that that meeting, which was the last meeting he had before uh, the pandemic, uh, that really launched state ramp as we know it today. And um, the need for it really is that state governments are unable to use FedRAMP because uh, it requires that you have a federal contract to maintain the FedRAMP authorization. And 
as uh, Doug Robinson with uh, NACIO, well, National Association of State CIOs, will tell you, if you've seen one state, you've seen one state. They're all different and different policies, different procurement codes, et cetera. So it really took a change agent uh, like J.R. Sloan in government to say, this is something I can get my arms around and, and help uh, foster this. And over the course of the pandemic 2020, we put thousands of hours in and, and dozens of uh, government leaders and, and private sector um, cybersecurity experts that came together and, and really formed what we know today, which is a public-private partnership called StateRamp. I love it. I love things kind of coming out of a need. And I think the timing, too, is kind of so fortuitous, right? COVID and then digital transformation acceleration by factor, what, five, seven years, Petco? I can't remember what it was, but wow, wow, what great timing for that to come together. So needed. So I, I well, got to ask, so if a, if, a, if a state today, let's say Ohio or Texas or wants to use FedRAMP, they go on the website, FedRAMP, they say, oh, here's the things that are FedRAMP, but they don't have access to a lot of the documentation and things that go behind it. What's the main difference between state ramp and FedRAMP just from a, I guess, from a, the way a customer like a state will look at it or a way a vendor might look at state ramp versus FedRAMP? I want to make sure we get down to the meat of the differences. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. I want to just to answer it from a government perspective, and then I will answer it from a provider perspective, if that's okay. And, and I'll say from a government perspective, I came at this having served in local government, and the needs and the challenges Joe just described exist at the local level as well. And so that's what's so great, that this has the ability to help serve all the different levels of government outside of um, the federal government. But from a if you are working with state ramp or you're interested in, like you said, Petco, if, I, if I'm with a government agency and I want to use a FedRAMP product, your option is to go to the FedRAMP marketplace and see who's out there, right? But there are some gaps that governments don't have access to the documentation or the continuous monitoring right. of those products. And, and as we know in cybersecurity, that information sharing and that ongoing communication is actually what's so critical. Not just the one and done audit or the one and done verification, but what's happening in an ongoing basis. The other challenge there is that, especially having come from local government, at state and local government, the vast majority of the products that are used in state and local government um, are not FedRAMP authorized. They're not even offered at the federal level because those products that have a FedRAMP authorization are only those products that are used by the federal government. And so that's the other gap that, you know, we talked a lot about during the steering committee days in 2020 was how do we fill that gap? How do we meet that need that exists? And to do so, state and local governments are all different. So you have to be able to account for, yeah. as Joe said, their unique ways of approaching um, policy or um, purchasing. And so uh, the biggest difference between state ramp and fed ramp is that state ramp is a nonprofit. And so we have the ability to, through our committees and through all of those um, different governance uh, organizations or groups that we have, really kind of design a framework that can be leveraged by governments wherever they are and whatever their needs are. In terms of how we're similar from a provider perspective, I think they care a lot about this. How does StateRamp and FedRAMP compare? Um, StateRamp and FedRAMP are both, our requirements are both built on NIST 853. We're both on Rev 4, moving to Rev 5 in 2023. They both uh, require independent 
audits by third-party assessing organizations, or 3PAOs, mm -hmm. and we both have continuous monitoring requirements. Where we differ is that at State Ramp, for those governments who are participating with State Ramp, they have the ability to actually view, so long as a provider grants them access, so it's all at the provider permissions um, state, but if they allow a government to be able to view that documentation, that ongoing continuous monitoring, and have that method or mechanism for information sharing, and that's one of the biggest differences. We also removed that barrier for providers to work with state ramp and that they don't mm -hmm. have to have a contract with a state or local government. Mm -hmm. Our hope, our mission, our goal is that we want to see more secure and qualified um, products available to state and local government. And so you don't have to have a contract. We've got a process to bring providers in who want to go through the process. If they want to do it, they can do it. Um, and that was something really important to the steering committee and board when we were standing this up. You know, I think we have the opportunity to bring innovation to government faster by having visibility into that mm -hmm. security up front and giving all providers a level playing field and a path to get there. Um, I mentioned we're a nonprofit, so our mission is education and resources. And so we have a heavy, heavy, um, you know, um, influence and we really lean into the idea of customer service. Joe, I don't know how many times during the committees or even still today, we talk a lot about this needs to be business friendly, right? This needs to be something that, and, and it's your, you're balancing the business friendliness and the reasonable factor, I call it, with also what it means, the integrity of achieving a state ramp verification. But the business friendly aspect comes into making it available, having resources available, being easy to work with. And I'll add, I'll add one other major differentiation <clears throat> that's along those lines. And I will tell you, to answer your question, Leah, it was every single meeting, committee meeting we had. It was business friendly, business friendly. Well, one of those things is the, um, I'll say only half misconception of the cost to achieve FedRAMP. It's not cheap. Uh, it's not inexpensive. It doesn't, it's, it, it's a, it's an aspirational goal, I think, for many that might be only focused on state or local government. And so if you think about state and local government, they, they can't just go to this list of 250 or whatever that's on the FedRAMP list and say, we're going to shut down government because we can't assign a contract. And so what state ramp has, which FedRAMP does not have, FedRAMP is black or white, you meet it or you don't meet it. Uh, state ramp has a snapshot, which is uh, a gap analysis, basically, and it's it's not millions of dollars, it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's hundreds of dollars yeah. uh, with state ramp to have a very quick snapshot so that state and local government has the ability to make an informed decision: yeah. is this product miles and miles and years away, or is this product just right on the edge of meeting all the requirements that the policy states? Um, but that is a very, very quick and easy way to uh, allow government to continue um, progressing and delivering services to its citizens without uh, incurring the, the, um, the cost structure, which is yet something other that state ramp is doing to help longer term uh, meet the needs of state and local government. That's huge because, I mean, let's be honest, FedRAMP is multi-year, could be multi-million. <laughs> and I don't, it's a great process, but I don't know business-friendly is necessarily an interesting <laughs> statement. So I, 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 I love to hear this. I love to hear this. And the snapshot, the security snapshot, I think that 
is just so critical, especially knowing state and local are going to be at such different places, right? Their maturity curve and and where they're starting places. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And and I think that has been a real challenge, you know, from the providers. And that snapshot is is probably the most exciting thing we're doing right now. We just launched this after a lot of work by our standards and technical committee and our board and our steering committee advising on how to um, deliver this for the providers. But we heard this as a need coming from our provider members, coming from government members was the, how do we begin? And how do I know what I don't know? Right. Right? That is the biggest question, especially for providers who are saying, do I want to make this investment? I don't even know what the investment looks like because I don't know what the big gap is. And so to be able to have this snapshot up front, it takes away the mystery. It takes away that concern because they can know, oh, this is what I need to work on to be able to get there. And the other thing that, you know, we've been really excited about is the uh, snapshot process does take into consideration other types of, if you've had a SOC 2 type 2 report, if you've done other types of uh, models before, frameworks before, you can bring that to the call and it allows you to leverage that to understand what does that map to when you think about NIST. Right, right. And so you can leverage that and then build on that to go the distance. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, part of the business frame this is if you wanted to go FedRAMP today, cost aside, the hardest barrier I hear from all the technology vendors and the businesses is I need a sponsor. Exactly. And that, and then there's effort on the government side that they have to do certain things and that takes just, you know, as Rachel put, you know, enormous effort there. And at the same time, even after you go through it, you're, you're selling just to the federal government. But if you just want to sell the state, you're like, well, federal doesn't make sense for me. So right. uh, there's a lot of local companies, I think, at the state level, lots of great work happening there where yeah. local technology companies have helped, you know, automate your local DMV or automated, you know, paying taxes on the website. Well, that doesn't have a federal requirement, but there might be a, you know, a security posture need there at the state level. Right. Well, and someone coming from the private sector, I'll add to that, Petco, because the, the, the exciting thing that we're hearing about state ramp from the private sector, from the vendors is the the verify once use many so if you're if you have aspirations of working with more than one um, municipality or more than one state and there's not a standard that everyone looks to and ha- that's the goalpost. if i meet that um, then i have to go through dozens if you work with dozens of organizations different uh, uh, processes to get verified for that organization and that's where state ramp comes in. You get state ramp verified once, and then all of the other states that are part of the state ramp community or local governments can look to that and say, okay, there's an independent body that has verified this, that is trustworthy, that we sanction and approve. Therefore, we don't have to go through that with this vendor. So, so Joe, I'm curious, is there, I, I, I know in the U.S. government, they're, you know, as part of their authorization to operate, they're required to do FedRAMP. And at the state level, I know you mentioned the NIST compliance, but is there anything that says you have to do it a certain way, like from a legal standpoint or funding standpoint that goes to the state government level? Not that I'm aware of. It's th- those that I have read, and it's been over 40 of them, um, they simply state you must meet NIST 853. Mm-hmm. And they haven't gotten into process uh, or method. They've left that up to the, the IT uh, departments within 
uh, state governments. Um, the challenge, of course, is the silos, right? And I'm not knocking it. It's, oh my gosh, this is the best place on earth to live. But government is structured where IT is responsible for, in this case, security or sec- ensuring that systems are secure. And procurement is responsible for buying and gaining the best value from the vendors. And I, uh, procurement doesn't have IT specialists, cybersecurity specialists on staff. They don't have the budget for it. <clears throat> and IT does not have lawyers that are embedded into the procurement process. And so what happens is procurement makes a selection, lobs a contract over the fence, as we are told many times by the IT groups, uh, saying you've got this mission critical. You've got five days to verify the authenticity of this product. And it's like, like, I can't do that. I don't have the people. I don't have the access to the information. So the process is is really what is um I'll say one of the things that is broken in government that state ramp does address. And the other is the cost shared services is, is uh, just a, a great way in a world of uh, I'll say a challenged labor market and cybersecurity to help address that across the country. I think that's huge. I mean, Petco, you mentioned the challenge and I've heard this too, being at different summits or conferences but one of the challenges providers face if they do want to go the FedRAMP path is finding a sponsor. I think one of the key differences, and this was really smart when the steering committee decided to uh, set up StateRAMP this way, was to have a centralized program management office. So all of those uh, security reviews, continuous monitoring are um, under one office. So you've got consistency in application, how things are applied and communicated, uh, which is great for the provider community. And then through that, that is that shared service that's being delivered to states and local governments is access to be able to view those documents. Again, only if providers grant the access. <laughs> but I, I, you can tell that's been a question I've answered before. Um, but I think that is really, really smart because... You know, what we've heard is that states and local governments don't have the bandwidth or, you know, the budgets to do those reviews on their own. So a shared services model is really helpful there. But that aside, we don't have enough cybersecurity professionals in the United States to fill all those jobs if there was unlimited budget or unlimited, you know, kind of bandwidth there. And so I think that, you know, that alone really drives us to a shared services model like this. And, um, I think it's been a great benefit as we try to really relieve the burden from state and local governments and hopefully providers too by streamlining not just the process, but the T's and C's that go with it, right? So you can get to work faster. And I think that's been really exciting. Yeah, I think we were constantly hearing the news, you know, how many breaches we've had recently and you get numb to it after a while, but, you know, I, you know, I can't imagine one day having some system that might have local government data in it, you know, getting, you know, spilled on the internet. And then you're like, well, who do I blame? Is it the service provider? Is it the agency? Is it the state? So I I think, you know, the great thing about state ramp and even fed ramp is it kind of shifts security to put it onto the providers to say, let's build this right. And then we'll let you sell it. But in order to help you sell it, let's make it easy. Um, I mean, I'm curious, like, uh, you know, being called state ramp, uh, which state agencies are part of it? How do we get state more states involved? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So if you go to stateramp.org, we do list all of the governments who have participated. We've got 17 states who have announced they're working with StateRamp. We've got a number of other um, local governments and higher ed. The University of North Carolina system is working with StateRamp. 
And so those are organizations that have announced they're working with State Ramp and are in the process of really in, incorporating State Ramp into what they do. So they're all at kind of different cool. stages. Um, but before I go further, I want to I want to make sure I touch on something because you just said it so perfectly. I think why they're all becoming a part of State Ramp is you know all the things we've said the shared services model and and but really the why is because we've got to be able to partner with the private sector to to do this better, right? Because you know whether it's our utilities and the security of our water systems or um, you know pipe gas pipelines, you name it, right? That's what's at risk. Yeah. It's it's the data, it's the infrastructure, it's the integrity of government. And so, you know, I've had many conversations with companies who are saying, why should I do this? And I tend to say in response, because you're innovating and we want you to be able to serve government. But when you do, congratulations and welcome. You're now a part of the cyber defense team, right? right? Right. We have to do this together if we're going to do it well. So for those providers who want to get involved or government, go to stateramp.org. You can yeah. sign up. You can request meetings. Um, and we want to meet with you. For the governments, there is no cost. This is provider funded. So for governments, for states and local governments, we've got a couple of, of benefits. You know, if they want to participate, um, we've got a couple of membership levels. One is the individual level, mm -hmm. and they can sign up right on our website. And if you're an individual working for state, local government, educational agencies, and you want to be involved, it's just that easy. You just sign up and say, I That's want to be involved. And that gives them yeah. access to our members only page. It allows them, you know, to have input and comment on policies when we're updating them. We're getting ready to go through a, an update through our standards and technical committee. So it's a great way to get involved and get on committees. And then for governments, uh, state level or at the enterprise or agency level who want to work with state ramp to verify their um, third party security, then um, it's really just as simple as reaching out to us. We have a call and we'll work with them to understand at what level right. they really want to participate. Um, and so that's how easy it is. We have a team that can work with them. We've got templates. We're working with the Center for Digital Government as well on an update to their best practices guide for um, cloud solutions, solicitations that incorporate state ramp into it. So we're really excited about that. That'll come out here shortly to help standardize those T's and C's. But we've got lots of sample language, sample templates. You know, we've been doing this um, for two years, but especially in the last year and working with more states have really developed um, a library of resources that we can share as well for them. So we want to be able to be a good partner in you know, even it's similar how the PMO helps relieve that burden for the InfoSec team. Our team is there to relieve that burden from the policies and the managers so we can help with education and outreach um, as well. Joe, I'm sure I'm missing something. So Well, just the, I'll, I'll go back to the fact that, that State Ramp is a 501c6 organization, education, and I, I, I can reflect on our journey where I thought we were, and then when reality hit, and I realized uh, just the the level of workload ahead of us and what was needed in terms of, of licensed product as well as uh, people, right, uh, knowledge. And I, I'm assuming that there's an awful lot of companies, there's tens of thousands serving all of state local education, 
And many of them just don't know where to even begin, which is where we were. And I Googled, you know, do I go here? Do I go there? And that's where State Ramp and the resources that Leah is referring to. Before you start down a path and invest time, maybe unnecessarily or prematurely, because there are other pressing priorities or licensed software that isn't really the appropriate or the, the wrong time, um, I strongly encourage everybody to contact State Ramp. Have a gap analysis, the snapshot yeah. done. It gives you kind of a map to the minefield. Yeah. Here are the priorities that, that based upon um, meeting and achieving the minimum requirements for State Ramp, mm-hmm. um, and that can save enormous amounts of time and money uh, for any company that was, uh, you know, a small company like us, not not Google, not Oracle, right? <laughs> Don't have unlimited resources um, and are focused on achieving a level of security that your customers are demanding, will demand uh, or require um, in the most uh, time efficient and cost effective way. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, Lee, I'm curious, if I'm a FedRAMP authorized service today, let's say, yeah. or a vendor that has one, a business that has one, how do I bring that to state ramp? You talked about policies and procedures, like is it technically different? Do I have to go through the same assessment or can I leverage my existing FedRAMP assessment? You can leverage your existing FedRAMP assessment. So we've got a number of providers who have done that, and it's really to the benefit of the clients they're serving to do that, right? Because that's how they're able then to make sure their um, clients who are the state and local partners have the ability to have visibility into the continuous monitoring and reporting. And so we have a number of providers who have a FedRAMP product who've come through StateRAMP. We call it a fast track process. Because they can leverage their federal audit, the documentation. We try to really be easy to work with. What our program management office, what our security team will do with the PMO, they're going to look at that. They're going to validate and authenticate that, yes, this meets the requirements. It's a complete package. You know how that goes sometimes. Um, and they're also going to review the most recent continuous monitoring to make sure that uh, the provider is up to date for that product's um, reporting. And that is, that's, you know, what we take on um, to make sure that we're doing our due diligence um, and reporting out to the states and local governments that we serve. So it's a pretty quick, it takes a matter of weeks. Yeah. That is one of our, our I can tell you the board and our wow. employees asking all the time, <laughs> we're tracking how long does this take? Because we know that speed is really important. And when yes. people invest a lot of time in getting their security documents together, by the time they call us, they want to go. Right. So we want to be able to uh, meet them on their uh, pace. So in terms of if you're interested, if you've got a product out there that's FedRAMP authorized, you want to be listed on State Ramp's authorized product list, we have a fast track process. You can read about that um, on our website as well, or just reach out to info at stateramp.org yeah. and we'll respond and let you know uh, what that looks like. But they are able to leverage the work they've already that's done. Fantastic. Now, are there synergies between... Um, what is the Modernization Act, if I'm, if I'm re- referring it to it correctly, where the state and local governments and, and tribal authorities can apply to get funds over the next, I think, three years, four years, whatever. It seems like there's some really nice synergies here in terms of that planning process, right? And the gap analysis and what you might want to pursue in terms of a, a, a funding program to, to pitch in. Are you seeing some of that happening or? We've, you know, we've, I think it's early to see it happening, but we've had so many conversations around it that, you know, a piece of managing your cybersecurity program is managing supplier risk Mm -hmm. and state ramp fits in perfectly there. It is like the easy button. If you don't know where to start, start there. 
because that is going to immediately, especially with a snapshot, that's going to immediately begin to give you visibility into where your risks may lie. Um, if I'm a government, I'm going to look at that immediately. And then it's going to, like Joe said, it, it gives you the map to the minefield. If you've got your suppliers and you understand where their risks are, now you know where your risks are too, and you can take action as uh, needed um, to be able to protect yourself. And I'd add, Rachel, great question, because there's, what, a billion dollars. Um, yeah. All of the states that we've spoken to, they're trying to figure out how to use the money and exactly. it passes through to, to local government. And so much of the conversation relates to infrastructure uh, right. dollars. How do, how do we, whether it's broadband or whether it's uh, water, uh, et cetera, what most people think about when they think FedRAMP or state ramp is, quote unquote, cloud solutions, right. when in fact some of the largest data breaches have occurred through HVAC uh, control systems or mail systems or elevator control systems are my favorite. A uh, large organization had a beautiful fish tank. Well, they've got thousands of dollars of these beautiful fish. And guess what? It's, it's Internet of Things. It's connected. And I'm making sure that the water, you know, alkaline so level true. and temperature are all just right to save these fish. And the bad actors came in through the fish tank, right? Um, and, and they incurred um, millions of dollars of losses. From that. So my, my point with that is, as you look at um, state ramp or verifying Internet of Things, because it is connected through your Wi-Fi, it is connected through your network, uh, it poses risks. And that's truly where I think some of that funding could find its way is to ensure infrastructure is uh, as secure as it can be. Absolutely. To your point, Joe, though, one of the first steps is, and I can't hear many conversations we've had around this, but it's just identifying where who are your suppliers you should be thinking about? Right. Because I do think the first list typically is, here's my cloud service providers, right? Um, but we forget often those um, software as a solutions that are doing other things. And I don't know, Petco, if you've seen this too, but I've had a number of, of calls with providers who, especially those in the SaaS world, who will say, no, we're FedRAMP authorized, and they'll bring to the meeting um, you know, their Azure AWS, right, cert certificate, because that's where they're hosted. And we're like, that's awesome. Step number one. Now let's talk about the boundary for which you have responsibility. Right. And I think that's part of the education um, that that we've seen and experienced and in, in how we're trying to move forward as well. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, um, at least it first starts with jurisdiction. Are they at least in the same, in, in the U.S.? Do U.S. laws apply to them? Because there's also SaaS solutions that are hosted overseas yeah. in certain clouds. You're like, well, I, if I knew it was that cloud, I would never have bought it. I know. You know? Right. But if you're not so, asking the question, and that's yeah. where right. this comes down, right? So there's been, I think, not because of negligence, but because the speed of tra digital transformation happened so fast yeah. that when you get down to it, a lot of these details get worked out in contracting yeah. And in contracting, you have someone there who maybe doesn't know what to ask. And so they say, hey, here's our policy, to Joe's point. You've got to meet NIST 853, do you? And the guy on the other line is the one just responsible for closing the deal says, sure, I do. Yeah. And we've all seen that. And it's, right. it's, you know, it's innocent. But once you recognize it, now we need to do something about it. And so I think it's it's knowing what questions to ask and when and how. And state ramp kind of, like I said, I think it's the easy button. Um, for how we can move forward. 
Well, I'll, I'll go a step further. You know, you, the SOC report, because my hosting hosting service and pick your name, it could be AWS or, or some uh, regional, one of their sites is uh, FedRAMP authorized or one of their sites has had SOC. And so therefore, the, all of their hosting sites must meet this requirement. And But as a procurement person, I don't know that. So I see a SOC report. I have to trust the vendor is telling me the truth. And that's, again, where state ramp comes in is who do I turn to as a procurement official to validate what I'm being told is actually the truth. And by the way, the vendor may think it's the truth also because their vendor is telling them it's the truth. So that independent authority to be able to do the due diligence and validate um, what is education. Right. Because that's, that's, I think what has been so much fun, whether we're working with you know, we've got over 50 people on, our, on all of our committees and boards and then working with our members mm-hmm. is so much fun because it presents the opportunity for education every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day we learn something, but every single day we're able to help raise the bar, I think. Love it. And, um, yeah. and what I have found is that the providers we're working with and talking to, because if we are able to standardize the process and the requirements, yeah. it's easy to raise the bar. Or easier to raise the bar. Because if you have one standard that you're trying to achieve, if we can standardize this, the value is so great to them. Yeah, if there was a, if if someone came up with this and it was their product or service, there's no way that it would have uh, escalated. And and at the, the inertia that we have today in government in just over a year to have the number of states and local organizations, bodies of corporate corporate politic using uh, state ramp, it's because of all of those public-private experts and leaders that have contributed uh, so much time and knowledge in this process and in building the, the organization. Yeah, it's it's impressive how much you've gotten done in what's seemingly a short amount of time. It is, isn't it, Rachel? I mean, this is like I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, but it's, but it's, I mean, it's so, it's so needed and, awesome. and it's wonderful to see how much that you've, you've put together. I mean, it, it, I mean, we're talking 2020, 2020, right? I mean, that was just like a minute ago. Um, and, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. And, and so how do we get more, more states uh, online here? Cause I, I can only see the goodness. It's like multitude magnitude of goodness as more and more get online. How do we get more folks onto the state ramp? It's, it's doing things like this and getting yeah. the word out. Part of um, part of our process, you asked, and I don't know if I answered, but, you know, I've found that we're often the bridge between inf- the information security team and procurement. Yep. Most often the discussion begins, not always, but most often it begins with the information security team. So it's the chief information security officer reaching out or maybe his or her deputy or a chief technology officer, that's typically where the discussion begins. Mm-hmm. And they'll reach out and say, I want to know more. I want to do this. And we will say, great, get your team on the phone. But can you also invite procurement? Yes. Can you also invite <laughs> the other people who may have a hand in this? And so important. it's not, you know, I think it's, it's getting out of those silos and thinking about Every single one of us plays a role yes. in cybersecurity. And so um, it's bringing all of the right people to the table and having that champion to move it forward. And so it's it's just time. You know, yeah. we had said we thought we were on um, a third, a third, and a third. I'm just going to share this. You know, our steering committee basically said, 
We think uh, in terms of state adoption, you're probably going to have about a third of the state's first year, a third of the state's second year, a third of the state's yeah. third year, because of lots of factors, because of leadership styles, because of um, kind of cyber maturity, or um, also because there's thing called elections, and we just had a massive number <laughs> of new governors, and so part of it is waiting for you know the new the new appointments to be made so that we can pick pick up the conversations where we've been having them. But we um, we strongly advise not to announce state rent publicly until you've had those conversations right. with everybody on the phone, and are you know we're all ready to move forward together. So. Getting people, you know, we're available. Leah at stateramp.org. Email me. <laughs> uh, that is that is the best way to begin. And um, you know, we're I I think that um, I think we're having really good adoption and and energy and momentum. And it's um, outpaced a little bit of what our steering committee had set out for us in Wonderful. terms of goals. And I think that it's because it's the right solution at the right time. I've heard J.R. Sloan say that so many times. And when our steering committee was meeting in 2020, the number of times we would be meeting and we had all these breakout groups and committees working on different things, bylaws, all those fun things. But one committee, you know, the number of times we'd get together and people would say, gosh, I wish this were available now. <laughs> so it was in the middle of the pandemic and they were having to make really quick decisions right. um, on who to work with and how. And so I think that the need is very evident, and um, it's an it's an elegant solution. That, that I would add that it's, for all of your listeners that uh, either do business with government or, or aspire to do business with with government, uh, to have the number of states that have announced their uh, adoption of state ramp within a year of, of launching it fantastic. truly is remarkable. Knowing that one, you have to have change agents inside government, you have to have champions that drive it forward, but you also have to change policy and you also have to change procurement code. Uh, and that takes an education process, each one individually. Uh, and then you have to have public comment period. And all of that <laughs> takes time, right? right? And so to have that many that quickly to me serving government for the last 30 years is Incredible. nothing sort of remarkable. Yes. Uh, cool. And I think I think we're going to see continued inertia as we, we move forward because we see the states that we're talking to that aren't ready to announce yet, but that will be uh, very soon. Well, there's you know, so many. That, yeah, yeah, go on. Rachel. Sorry, just real quick sidebar. I mean, I, I worked for the city of Houston for a number of years, and I, and I have to say what I love is that the only way you could get, I think, as, as far as quickly as you have is knowing all those nooks and crannies because it took me, I think, a year to figure out all the different people to go to for different things just to get my job done. Oh, um, yeah. And that's critical, critical. So it's amazing that you guys already cracked that code so that folks can actually get stuff done because it's that's the only way <laughs> they're well, we're going to get in there. We have incredible yeah. leadership on our, <laughs> our board and committees and great strategic partners, yeah. you know, with the National Association of State Procurement Officers, the National oh, Association of State Chief Information Officers, and so many more. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'll, you know, we just um, worked on a partnership with the National Association of Counties. And I think wow. those yeah. strategic partnerships have been so beneficial in helping get the word out, but also helping advising us yeah. in terms of all those nooks and crannies. And exactly. Yes. So we're very fortunate. Well, Lee, I can't help but just reflect on it's what two years since you guys launched, and you've got yeah. a third of the a third of the states, you know, onboarded. Yet when I think at how long FedRAMP has been around, I mean. 
Federer kind of started <laughs> over a decade 2011, ago. 2011, 2011, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what you guys accomplished in two years with the <laughs> pandemic and onboarded a third of the country, that's pretty impressive if you think about Amazing. it. Amazing. Yes. Love to take credit. Can't. It, it really <laughs> yeah. goes to we're, it. goes to all the members that have yeah. put an awful lot of time and effort into this. But thank you for that. Well, okay. and I, you know, I I think too, it's the members who put in time to come up with a framework that can work, right. that has the you know the flexibility built in, so that we're constantly asking, how do we make this better? Yeah. How, what are the educational needs? You know, how do we break down barriers? Because we're all trying to get to the same place of better security. Exactly. exactly. And, and I would add to that, we don't live in a world of steady state. And so to have the advisors from public and private uh, will continue to help us evolve as the, yeah. the changes occur, the, the risks occur, uh, and we'll have to adapt. And, and I think having that input is just a remarkable thing. Yep. Absolutely. So... I know I want to be respectful of time real quick, too. Um, I want to give you a, a plug for as we look at the year ahead, where are you guys going to be? Any shows or things yeah. that we want to call out so people can stop mm -hmm. by and, and talk to you guys face to face? Absolutely. We've got a number of um, conferences we'll be attending in person and speaking at several of these. I mentioned NASIO and NASPA will be at their mid-year annual different things. We're also going to be in um, the state of New York. We've been working with the New York counties and their IT directors. So we'll be there at the end of February in Albany, as well as in May. Um, the National Association of State Tec Technical Directors mm -hmm. is another one of our strategic partners. We'll be at their conferences and speaking as well. Um, and those are just some of the few we are in the, yeah. I just, it's, you read my mind, Rachel, because earlier <laughs> today I was meeting with our team and I said, my goal is to get all of this on the website. Yeah. The <laughs> if you go to stateramp.org slash events, yeah. you can see all of the events where we're going to be as Wonderful. well as we host webinars. So we've got, um, virtual meetings we are hosting all the time. Perfect. And so you're going to see. By end of January, that will be populated and very robust. We've got, I think, three or four events. Um, but if you, you know, if, if there is an event that someone's interested in having a speak at or attend a virtual event, um, reach out. We we hardly say no. No, if we can make it, we really want to be there because, you know, I think I think a big part of our mission is is connecting with individuals and making sure that all the different um, parties and members know what's out there and available to them. Absolutely. Leah, nice job. Rachel threw us a softball. I was going to end with uh, invite <laughs> us because I'm happy to offer Leah and her team's time uh, to participate in any event you have. That's right. Joe, I'll add, given the velocity you guys are having in terms of getting states on board, you know, if you haven't already hit critical mass, I think we, you know, more vendors need to say, I need my product to be state ramped. Absolutely. So that way, because if not in the near future, well, if it hasn't already, it will in the near future. Yeah, thank you for that, Petco. I, I would say as a vendor to government and have been for decades, I you have to look out more than the next RFP that you think is coming out. You really have to look out two years, three years. We track competitors' contract expiration periods and say, what do we need to do today 
to be well positioned in two years when that RFP is coming out. And the time to begin the NIST 800 journey is not six months before the RFP comes out or when the RFP comes out. So again, I come back to that snapshot, engage now, learn now, take at least begin that thousand mile journey with that first step today. Mm -hmm. Don't wait. So smart. So you're not kidding. Thousand mile journey. That's right. <laughs> and you but, know what? It's a journey that never ends. So you've got right. to make sure that you enjoy the ride because, you know, I think that's the other thing we talk about. You know, there's no such thing as a one and done audit or a one and done report in cybersecurity. And so the shift to continuous monitoring. And I think what you're going to see, um, certainly where we're aspiring to go, is continued mapping to other Framework. So these right. flow down requirements that come from the federal government to state and local, whether it's the criminal justice information system or, you know, the Medicaid management information systems or IRS, all of those flow down. And, you know, the more we can map to NIST 853, the better. Uh, we're definitely seeing that as the gold standard and kind of common language. And I think that brings so much opportunity to continue standardization. So you're going to see us talk more about that and just continuing to provide more resources and education for Love everyone. We're serving. Awesome. Love it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Leah. This has been informative yes. um, so to our to audience. You. And if you're a state local government, please make sure to sign up. If you're a vendor, please make sure to look at stateramp.org. Absolutely. So, and to all our listeners out there, Happy New Year. I think we're getting off to a great start. And as always, Petco, what are we going to ask them to do? We're going to smash. Smash the like button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, smash. Was it subscribe or like button? I can't remember which one it was. That's right. Wonder Twin Powers activate. That's right. Smash that subscription <laughs> button and you get a fresh episode every Tuesday. So until next time, everybody, stay safe. Thanks for joining us for the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. 